I'm Lemuel Gonzalez, Repentance Sinner, and along with Amory Armstrong, your heavenly host, I invite you to find a place in the pew for today's Painless Sunday School lesson, Without Works. Today we're going to have an open discussion on the controversies around a recent film, The Book of Clarence, a film that is, I believe, currently still in theaters as of the time of recording. It's a comedy about a fictional characters who live in Jerusalem at the time of Christ and interact with Jesus and his disciples. So the story's protagonist is a feckless young man played by Lakeith Stanfield, accompanied by his best friend Elijah, played by R.J. Seiler. The two travel a picaresque route through Jerusalem, meeting the disciples, the holy parents, John the Baptist, Mary Magdalene, and Jesus himself. The questions we're going to be tackling are these. 1. How does the film address the story? 2. Is the film sacrilegious, or does it misrepresent the Bible story? And three, is it ever appropriate to make fun of sacred topics? Why is there a controversy? Is it because of the light tone taken to sacred subjects? Or is it because the film represents nearly all of the biblical characters as African? African or black? Well, they all have accents. They do. That is your They have these accents, and I can't figure out what the accent is meant to be. Fair enough. I don't know. It's like an... It's nice because it's old timey and there are right. accents, but they don't, don't sort of default to British. Which right, is, they don't default to British like Which other is what do. fantasy and old timey is right. British automatically. It doesn't matter where you are, doesn't matter the actual language which that people would be speaking. infuriating because that just means that the colonizers get to reinterpret history for everyone. Oh, that's what colonizers are for, though. And I'm glad that it broke away, but I could not, for the life of me, understand, are they going for African or are they going for West Indian? There was, it did feel like West Indian, but sometimes I think Nigerian can sound like West Indian because I'm, you know, ignorant. So (laughs) there's that. So this movie, I saw a trailer for it before we watched The Color Purple. I don't Uh think anybody else was in with me yet. We were late to the color purple, and I don't like being late, so as soon as we got there, I went into the theater. Everybody else was like, snacks, and I was like, movie seat. (laughs) So I went in and I watched all the trailers before the color purple, and all but one of them were for black-led movies. Mm -hmm. And then Godzilla vs. Kong. Oh, no, two of them, then, because Argyle (laughs) was also one of them. But I like the fact that, and then black people like Godzilla. Like Godzilla. (laughs) Everybody likes Godzilla. Everyone. People together. Uh, and this was one of the trailers. I don't. Did you see any trailers or anything had, about the it? The first I heard of it was as a trailer. Okay. I had no idea this was being released. Yeah. No. But that's mm-hmm. how that's how we find out about movies. Well, I understand, but when a film comes by that has this much potential controversy around it, you kind of hear about it when. I mean, that's not necessarily true. Well, the maybe Last it Temptation is, of Christ came out, right? Well, I mean, we're yes. talking about so long ago that right. it, it it's not comparable to how movies are advertised today. But um, what does come out sort of under the radar mm-hmm. is all of the biblical films that are being put out by the Christian right. filmmakers. There's every third week, there's one at the AMC, way down on the bottom of the list, with two showings a day. That I've never heard of. Right. <laughs> and I, every time I see one of those, I look immediately to see if, not one of those, but a movie that I've never mm-hmm. heard of, I look immediately to see if it's Hindi or Chinese. And if it's neither of those, I presume it's a religious movie. Mm. And 98% of the time I'm right. I only saw the one trailer okay. in front of the color purple. Uh, and then I brought up to you that 
Fox News anchors, <laughs> unsurprisingly, were trashing this movie. Was it released yet? Have you seen yeah, it? I, yes, I believe it had been released, but no, not a single one of them had seen it. Mm-hmm. So they're talking about how it's blasphemy, it's, you know, the epitome of the problem with the left, it's woke, all of this stuff, right? And I, and in the same, you know... I'm convinced they don't know what any of those words mean. Don't, well, if you ask... It turns out if you ask a conservative who uses the word woke on mm-hmm. a regular basis, uh, let me just, so that we're on the same page, um, get a clarification of your definition of that word. It's stammering and nonsense. They don't know what they're even talking. They're using a buzzword that they think they can apply generally to stuff they don't like. And I meant more than just woke. I meant blasphemous. They don't understand that word either. They have a leader. Essentially, they're under the leadership of a man who commits blasphemy every single day. Not even just every day. Every time he opens his mouth. Yeah. It's it's wild. Uh, We're we're not going to do this till we have another podcast... It's about movies. We watch movies and then we talk about them and we basically give you a play-by-play mm-hmm. of the of the film, which we've done on this show before. We're not going to do that. I will do a broad, mm-hmm. very broad. We always say that. It's going to be broad and then it's 20 minutes later. We're not doing that. No. Um, overview of what the film is. But I had seen all of this stuff about how the news, the Fox News pundits, I don't want to call them anchors, they're not news people. No, no, they no. have opinions. TV personalities. Yeah. Commentators, uh, I think. Were, yes, were trashing this movie and, and talking about how terrible it was, how it showed, you know, the downfall of America, blah, 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 whatever. Um, well, at the same time, in basically the same breath, going, I've never, I wouldn't, I wouldn't possibly watch it. Well, then how? How do you know? Like, I wanted, when I was younger, when I was like 16, mm-hmm. the idea of the of Cosmopolitan magazine was gross to me. But I never picked up and read a Cosmopolitan magazine. So I was like, well, I can't say I hate it, because I don't know what's in there. So I picked one up, and literally, cover to cover, I looked at every page, flip, read, flip, look, flip, flip, flip. Magazines don't look like they have 200 pages in them, but their paper's real mm. thin. It was like a 218 page situation. Flip, I read every page in that thing. Now I can say, I hate Cosmopolitan Magazine. But, but you can I say come, with conviction. Ex- not just conviction, knowledge. Well, the and conviction that comes from knowledge. Yeah. So these people are saying that this thing is all, this movie is all of these things without having seen the movie. Yes. And then I read an article, I believe it was in the Christian Science. Where did they get their information then? They watched a trailer. Okay. That's literally what it had to be, right? They watched a ta- trailer and they heard somebody else's take on it. Uh, but I was, I don't remember, there was a Christian publication mm-hmm. that had a review of the movie. And it was favorable. They were like, this is one of the most Christian mm. forward right. Um, films that I've seen in a long time. And I was like, okay, well, I want to watch this movie. <laughs> like, I wanted to watch the movie anyway, because the trailer right. looked funny. Uh, and I didn't know exactly what was, you know, what was up, but it looked funny. I really like Lakeith Stanfield a lot. I like the choices that he made. And we should say that, first of all, it had an amazing cast. The cast was fantastic. Uh, yeah. Mary, mother of God, played by Alfred Woodard. <laughs> 
That, that was, <laughs> and she did a lovely part. In one scene. Right. Like, the biblical characters that we know mm-hmm. by name don't appear heavily in this. Mary Magdalene is in the first scene and then in one other later well, scene, Well, she's in a couple of other later scenes because she's the woman taking adultery in this version of the story. Oh, that's right, yes. Then Thomas um, right. as a, well, the disciples the we disciples see. disciples as a group. Jesus is mm-hmm. a character. You don't see his face until the very end. Mm-hmm. Mary mm-hmm. and Joseph, he's there with her. Are those, those are basically... Right, and the character who's a historical character that exists outside of the Bible, but Pontius Pilate. Right, that's right. He's not given a name in the in the movie. Like he's mm-hmm. not referred to by name, but the character played right. by James McAvoy is clearly Pontius Pilate. So this movie follows, as we say, Lakeith Stanfield. His name is Clarence. His brother is Thomas, the doubting one, uh-huh. which doesn't really come into play here. He doubts Clarence. He never doubts Jesus. And maybe it's very that's the, re- the way they've uh, glossed onto the situation. And Clarence is a weed dealer. They don't. It's not weed, but it's weed. You know what I'm saying? Uh, he's got a best friend. He has borrowed some money from uh, Heavy, mm-hmm. uh, whose sister he's in love with. She. I thought she was going to be Mary for some reason. You know, the first time we see Mary Magdalene, he she's uh, beating him at a chariot race. Like that's the opening by of cheating. It. Yeah, but she, she does cheat. Well. He's taken down by some people who don't like him. <laughs> so we see him. He's trying to make this money back. And in the background, we know there's Jesus. His mm-hmm. brother is following Jesus. His brother has left, like sort of abandoned his mom. Now, he says she, he abandoned her while she was on her deathbed. But she has healed and is her, still awake. The father too, alive. The father's... He doesn't say anything okay. about the father. But that might have been right. a, a, a change in the writing. Because he says he abandoned his mother on his deathbed. And I'm like, you are literally just talking to your mom at your house. And I don't think they revealed to us that she is a ghost. (laughs) So she didn't die on said deathbed. But Thomas left to follow Jesus. Uh, And Clarence thinks that if he can get in good with Jesus, become the 13th disciple, that's the name of the first Mm -hmm. chapter of the movie, that the like the loan shark, basically, that he owes money to and has to pay back in 30 days, will go easy on him because he will be a man of faith. He is not a man of faith. He is a man who only believes in what he can see, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, A materialist, I guess. And uh, so they're like, no, you can't be a disciple. But they, they send him to go free slaves and he does free and us slaves. we should uh, we should point out that judas is the villain all throughout the film he, well he keeps trying to get clarence out of the picture because we later on mm-hmm. find out that he's uh, as he was he's working for with the, the right, romans the yeah. romans the sanhedrin whoever else yeah to to turn jesus over so it's almost as if he sees this as a threat so he keeps trying to get him to do things that are increasingly more dangerous right. to get rid of him. But also things that he doesn't think he'll be able to right. do. So Clarence does end up going, mm-hmm. fighting a gladiator, getting that one gladiator free. Mm-hmm. Later... The biblical Barabbas. Yes. Mm-hmm. Or a version uh, of him. <laughs> and then later he does end up going to get every, all the other slaves free. After he frees Barabbas, he's mm-hmm. like, you know what I'm going to do? If they're not going to let me be a disciple, I'm going to be a prophet. 
or I'm going to be, what is he, what is the... His own Messiah. He's Messiah. Gonna, it's the right. Messiah that he, he he's, he's like, I'm going to, he thinks that Jesus is doing tricks. And he's like, if I can do tricks, then people will follow me and I will be the Messiah. And he, you know, enlists Barabbas and his friend Elijah, who is tied to him in the debt. So if, if Clarence goes down, Elijah goes down. As like, pretend you're blind, mm-hmm. pretend you're dead, or lame, pretend you're dead, and I will heal you and raise you from the dead. And then he's doing these speeches about he is the Messiah, and he's here to tell you that... Self-determination speeches, essentially. Yes, it's like yes, Andrew it is. Carnegie. Yes. So, there's no, like, there isn't God, there's just <laughs> you, there's what we can see, and, and this, right. and so, and he starts getting money is really what he's going for right he's going to he's trying to raise the money to pay his uh pay his debt back but then he makes plenty of money he could pay his debt back but now he doesn't want to because money and then he he is he starts sort of understanding that people are relying on him and believing in him and he starts understanding that like with this money, he should do good. So he does. He frees all the slaves. He spends all of his money to free mm-hmm. all the slaves from the gladiator arena, thereby bringing them back to zero and unable to pay his debt. Um, and then he invites, you know, his lady friend to a party. They're having a party. They're dancing. I believe he kisses her. And then she runs away and he goes out to follow her and her brother the person to whom he is indebted is there and they have like a a face-off which is broken up by Roman soldiers. And we see Roman soldiers at various points Mm -hmm. in the film and they're very much an analog to the police versus black men. Right, and we should. there are no black Roman soldiers. No. In this film, historically there are, but in this story, they're exclusively white and mostly blonde and blue-eyed. And they're the only white characters on right. the film. Well, no, there's there's another. Well, there's <laughs> there's one more, but you know. That, that winds up being actually kind of funny. Yes. And one of the points that we'll discuss <laughs> about this film. Yeah. One of the things it does really well. So at this point, Brabus has said that he is invincible except one spot of his heel. So he runs from the police because they are going to attack him. Mm-hmm. He runs. He's told to run. And he runs, and they throw three spears at him, mm-hmm. and they land in his shoulder, in his back, right. and in one of his heels. And he like goes down, and he's saying, "Oh no, that was the heel!" But then he gets back up, and he's like, "Wrong heel!" And he keeps running. And at that point, it feels like I mean, like everybody else is like, "Oh!" And and the way that he stood up for the other people around right. that, that Clarence had stood up, he gets a kind of a grudging respect from the person to whom he's in debt. And they end up being sort of on the same side at that point. Now, at this point, what's happening is the Romans are rounding up everybody who they're, who's calling themselves the Messiah, right? So Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. And, and we keep hearing that Jesus is about, around. Mm-hmm. We only see, we see him sort of in passing or in the backdrop very much like Life of Brian, right? Well, it's also very much like Ben-Hur in that yeah. you don't see his face. It's right. just a character in the background. And he does things, then he disappears very quickly. So that right. first half of it is like, uh, as as it is, I mean, there's a lot of Ben-Hur in this film. There's, it starts yes. with a chariot race. Yes. Um, 
we first see Jesus when Mary Magdalene has been chained and is being stoned mm-hmm. for being a harlot uh, <laughs> by Jezebel, which is very funny. Uh, jokes, guys. There's jokes in it. Yes, it's Elijah, a comedy. <laughs> Elijah that. comes upon her and mm. shields him her with his body, and at which point Jesus comes and is like, he, who is without sin. Right. Then he's like, Jezebel, everybody's going to know your name, which is, once again, jokes. Uh, and then we see his face, and he, I thought he looked like, uh, what, the first time I saw him, I was like, that looks like Donald Glover. I knew it wasn't. Mm-hmm. That dude looks like Donald Glover. And he leads Mary Magdalene off and kind of leaves Elijah behind. And I'm like, Elijah like put his life on the line for But for Elijah's whatever. not going to leave with Jesus. It's going to be, you know, Elijah's well, he wasn't go... given the option. Um, so at this point there's Clarence is picked up. Uh-huh. Clarence ends up being picked up as a person who is passing themselves off as a messiah. And when brought in front of the Romans, he's like, I'm not a messiah. I'm a liar. Mm-hmm. I just I wanted money. Right. There is no Messiah, I think, is what he says. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm definitely if there is, I'm definitely not it. And you know, the response is basically prove it. <laughs> and so they have a big deep uh pool of water and they're like, We'll walk across if you walk across it, we're gonna crucify you. If you sink, well then you drown and it's fine. It's the same right. as though it's well, the it's witch, like witch thing, trend. right? And so he's like, he and he's like, I can't swim. He had, we knew earlier from he couldn't swim, and he gets up and he's like, you're gonna just let me drown? And and McAvoy, the mm-hmm. Huntress pilot, is like, yes. And Clarence steps out onto the water and doesn't sink. He walks across the water, and you see yeah. on his face, like, oh no, <laughs> <laughs> like, like. Constantly, he's been saying, if I don't, if you don't know it, then it's nothing. Mm-hmm. There is no such thing as fate. Like, there's no, it's foolish to believe something mm-hmm. that hasn't been proven to you, right? And this is proof, right? And so, he, and he's like, no, 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 <laughs> like, no, no, no. And everybody's like, <gasps> like, <laughs> And he gets out to the middle of the pool, at which time Pilate is like, get him. And yeah. every all the Romans fall into the pool, like, because it's deep. And he ends up walking across, and, and uh, Pilate is like, I wouldn't have let you drown, but I have to crucify you. And he puts him in prison. Uh, we we see, I believe, Judas is shown as paying. Like, right, he's getting paid off. He's getting paid off not only to basically narc on Clarence, uh-huh. He also, we see him paid off to do the same to Jesus. We see the, we see a very weird scene of the final of the Last Supper, uh-huh. uh, where Judas is called out in a really strange way. I don't even want to describe it. It's very weird, but he's sort of shown to be. Yeah, what the, we should mention also is at this point Thomas and his brother reconcile. So there's this Last Supper, and he said, and then he's like, and then we see a scene later of. Jesus saying, in three days they're going to come get me. Mm-hmm. It's just what it is. Uh, and Jesus gives a beggar, who we've seen repeatedly through this movie, money. He gives him a coin that like multiplies into multiple coins, right. which you said no, that wasn't Jesus' jam. Which is good, because it's turned out good. 
Clarence is in prison awaiting his sentence, or like awaiting his crucifixion, and his brother comes to him, apologizes, reconciles. The woman that he's in love with comes to him, like, uh, not apologizes, but they reconcile because he thought she sold him out to her brother mm-hmm. and she, she had not, he had followed her and she didn't know about it. And they sort of reconcile and he is still like, that wasn't me. I didn't do this miracle. God did it. Mm-hmm. And he has fully, mm-hmm. yes, he, his faith is resolved at this point. He, he got the proof that he needed for this, right? The the beggar to whom Jesus has given magic money goes to get cleaned up. Now the beggar's the first. This is the first face you see in the movie, and I was and he's he's caked in dirt. Like you cannot see his face. His hair is a wild ragged mess. Uh, and I mean caked in dirt, like like this could be considered blackface almost. Mm. Like it is just pitch across his face. Right. And but I was like. Is that Benedict Cumberbatch? <laughs> Y'all, it is. So they clean him all up. They scrape him clean. They wash his hair. They do, And he comes out looking like Jesus in the picture. White Jesus. He looks like white Jesus. This is the other white character that you invented. And he's wearing like a white robe with a red sash. <laughs> he's got the, you know, the, the, the beard and the mustache, the little long flowing hair, blue eyes, right? And he is um and then once they get him all cleaned up, they're like, It's Jesus. He's so white. And they're like, You haven't even seen Jesus. And he's like they they make all these jokes about how it's much easier to believe that this white man is who Jesus. is lovely, then the Cumberbatch is a beautiful looking person, right? Is Jesus, right? So he goes out and he is taking his, you know, his magic money and he's giving it out. And the Romans see him and they scoop him up. And then they go and he also is crucified. So at this point we see Clarence going, dragging his cross up to the, what's the name of the? Golgotha. Golgotha. The, the hill on which they are sac- the uh, sac- skull. On which they are crucified, and it follows all the beats that we see in mm. the Jesus crucifixion. Someone comes out to help him, uh, like to help right. him drag the thing. His mother is there, like it's the beats that we were, we know from the story. And he is fighting his way up. They put him. The, I hate a crucifixion scene; it's always terrible. Mm. They put him up, and in front of him is Benedict Cumberbatch's Jesus. And he's very much, he's still got the, he doesn't have a crown of thorns, but he's got all the other, (laughs) like, thing. And he is railing against God and man. Because Clarence is literally like, they they can't help it. This is, they don't know what they're doing. Like, Mm -hmm. it's that, they know not what they do, right? And (laughs) Benedict Cumberbatch is, who doesn't have a name in this, like, he's just, beggar or something like that probably um is like nah forget these people they're terrible and i hope they burn forever (laughs) like like he's so anti-human right like he's Mm. the antithesis to what we have been told jesus does on the cross right because he's not this is also when we this is when we split split aside to see 
the movies Jesus tell his disciples, they're going to come get me in three days. We're going to let it happen. This is what needs to happen. And this is what's... And uh, Clarence dies on the cross. They do stab him in the side because mm-hmm. he is... He's basically saying, I forgive you when people are fault, like right. responding to that. And the Romans are like, no, no. Like, we're trying to get rid of the messiahs. We're not going to make you a martyr, except, oops, that's exactly what you do. And he's killed. He's put in... Uh, he's entombed behind a rock, same way as Jesus was. And then um, at the last thing we see is Jesus breaking the rock down, mm-hmm. going in, and resurrecting Clarence. Right. And it's unclear to me on the timing. I think that's before he is crucif- Jesus is crucified. I don't think Clarence was laying there dead for what would have had to be like two weeks. If If he was crucified three days before Jesus... And Jesus waited to wake up before Jesus was captured. The the capture to death had to be like seven days. No, no, the capture to death happened overnight. He was uh, taken, uh, the Last Supper happened the very next morning is when he's crucified. And then there's two days afterwards. He had to go to trial. Yeah, he did. That. It was rushed in the middle of the night. That's what the. Oh, I I was yeah. under the standing. It was under, under the. Yeah, it happened. That it was like really, three or four days. Really, really quickly because they were trying to do it in such a way that none of his admirers it's or friends still a week, could right? gather. Well, it's yes, still a week. it's still it's still three days. Yeah. one day, three days before he gets up. That's a that's a week. I don't think he left him for a week. I think he, no, I don't. He think went so. like right before he was going to get scooped, and then that's basically the end. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's not. <laughs> well, when I, when we start with how did the film address the story, there were parts, uh, the recreation of Rome, and the way it uh, interacted with the Israelites. It is, um, it's cast in modern terms that people, the mm-hmm. audience that's going for, it will understand. In a context. Right. This is an occupying country. Yeah. They're a foreign country who've come here and they're just sort of lording all of their position and authority and privilege over the people who are living there. And clearly like a Uh European colonialist society over a, you know, a brown indigenous society. Now, the the question is, is does it fit as a parallel? Um, it's hard to say since I wasn't there 2,000 years ago, right. so I can't say exactly what it is. What we know historically, though, or what comes across historically in the story is that in many respects, that's absolutely what happened. Right. The Romans were, we're able talking to do of, things... We are talking about a colonizing... Right. They were um, able to do things with impunity, and that was the theme in not just this film, but in other films that we've seen. We saw Ben-Hur for the other yeah. podcast that we do, and they covered that very well. The Romans simply did things with impunity. Yeah. They could do as they pleased. Yep. And the uh without even thinking about right. any bad there's no consequences there's for not them. just no consequences these people should thank us right because yeah. they were savages, mm-hmm. and we have brought them civilization We've, we have become a civilizing influence over them, which is so backwards it's unbelievable, but that same motif is shown here right. And they are making parallels between the way that black men are treated by the police. I mean, there is literally a scene of a black man running away and getting weapons hurled at him at his back. And I I should 
with the with the this, person doing it saying you all saw it he hit me right. or whatever yes. like he wasn't anywhere close to it like it was it's like it, a very I think that the the whole idea and possibly what the people the hosts or excuse me yes hosts and commentators at Fox were trying to stir up all the ire about is the fact that it represents these people as these people are represented as African or African-American, or yeah. perhaps Afro-Caribbean people. Right. Again, the accent's very unclear. But that's no more inappropriate than the portrayal of the Israelites as all fair-skinned, right. blue-eyed people. And frankly, it's closer. That we've seen for centuries. Yeah. We've seen that. Um, one of the things I did, I remember um, doing this for Christmas a couple of years ago, putting up a collage on Facebook of all the different cultural representations of Jesus from right. China, from Japan. Yeah. Everyone represents him in their own way. Right. The fact that we're in the West, we keep getting bombarded with this because it was reinforced by other by artists over time. The the white Jesus trope uh-huh. that we see is as much a depiction of Jesus as the Coca Cola Santa. Right. But on top of that, have. it is this is no more unfair to Jesus yeah. than or no more inaccurate than the representation of Jesus that shows him as a blonde-haired, and I would argue man. more accurate. This is more <laughs> accurate to what it was. Now, in terms of how it addresses the story, there were things that I was like bothered by the inaccuracies of it. John the Baptist was dead long before the crucifixion. Right. Um, yes, but they wanted Joseph him to be a character. was. Yes, Joseph was. And I do like the representation of John the Baptist as a person who Slap didn't take the God. crap out of Clarence. <laughs> Clarence is like, baptize me. And he's like, you don't believe. And he's like, I, nope, but I want to be baptized so this guy thinks I do believe. And it's like, no. Right. <laughs> like, and John the Baptist, as, as we know from the scripture, was a wild man, literally wore a coat of camel's hair, ate locusts, lived in the desert. And I think that more importantly, the representations of Jesus actually come across as really honest. It seems very much like the Jesus from scripture. He's very intense with people, but not in a way that's necessarily putting them off. Yeah. He talks to people... In a way, like in a way, as if to suggest that there is children. Right. The way he touches them on the head, or yeah. the way that he sort of wipes the tears from their eyes, he's not being condescending, though. But also, I would, I think we should say, mm-hmm. Jesus is in maybe six minutes of right. this whole movie. Like he is a motif. Right. Um, and he's certainly he's meant there to parallel or balance out what we've been seeing from Clarence. From Clarence, yeah. And but even if he wasn't there, we hear how Clarence and Clarence doesn't misrepresent Jesus, no. except that he thinks he's a magician. There's a very or funny like scene a, yeah. where what we mentioned, where he goes to visit Mary and Zachary yeah. Woodard, who <laughs> and he literally just looks at her in the right. face and goes, <laughs> "So you aren't." <laughs> you weren't a virgin. Like, let's be real. And she, and she, she right. slaps him. He gets slapped a lot in this movie. Rightly so, I think. Um, oh, there's another. Was it Barabbas gets slapped and want, by a right. Roman soldier and wants to hit it back? And there's a line that he says, He slapped me. Men don't slap men. Women slap men. Which. Might be one of my favorite lines from a movie this year. I mean, it's early in the year, but like it yeah, was, it was, it was very funny. that that representation. Joseph wasn't there by that point, so we assume that he died. Um, so there's misrepre- not misrepresentations because it's not it doesn't change this story because we have to think about it. This is the same as 
any film that features historical characters. Right. My understanding is that Ridley Scott, without having seen it, but read the reviews, I'll put it that way, Ridley Scott's Napoleon recently yeah. is historically complete nonsense. Yeah, in fact, right. it, it's, been, it's been dubbed ahistorical. As was something like Braveheart that we saw. Right. Uh, and those purport to be right. historical films. This does not no, it purport does not. to be it does not purport historical. To be a gospel. This proposes no. to be a comedy that shows these stories that we've heard uh-huh. in a through a different lens. Right. I think the other thing that the only thing that did bother me in terms of the representation of Jesus is that he uh, does at one point give someone money. Right, Which that was the, the one thing. Comeback. And it turns yeah, out yeah. it was bad because right. that's what brought that dude down. And Not because, just because mm-hmm. he was giving people the money that he was, like, that was just manifesting out of yeah. his hands, right? You'd think that if the Romans came to arrest him and he just gave them a bunch of money, You'd although they, they probably wouldn't have crucified him, they would have just put him in a cell right, and kept him there like a human bank. Golden goose. Yeah, um, exactly. Or the goose that lays the golden egg, rather. Um, the uh, and the other thing is, for instance, the scene with Mary, uh, where she's going to be stoned. Yeah. Jesus stops all the stones from flying in mid-air. Oh yeah, he stops them, and, it's, and they just halt. It's, it's, like, it's kind uh, of bullet time. It's like this is not what happened. And but at the same time, we don't know that. Well, no, we do. I we wasn't the there. But sure. We have and the story also, from the persons who were there. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to And take, you've never embellished or unembellished no. anything that you've ever so said. You um, um, here, I will... Here's the nope, we're not doing it. <laughs> no, it's like four verses long. This is from John chapter 8. Verse 4, Teacher, they said to Jesus, This woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him to something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer, so he stood up again and said, All right, let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Right. right, so he's sitting there. Now, what can be construed, because there's different interpretations of what was he writing in the dust, was that he was writing the, the, the sinful lives of the people in the crowd. Oh, right. Which is kind of what they tap into yeah. here. Because he starts Like, outing, I know you. <laughs> he outs uh, Jezebel's husband for something particularly heinous, which I won't go into. Yes, that's right. But, oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, that's kind of what they're tapping into when they do that. Yeah. But he basically just stops them with uh, the force of personality and a very Well, he cold had word. to stop the stones because they were already flying. It was a yes. lot of stones and it's somebody a, was going to get very hurt. It's a dramatic device. That's like, yes. But at the same time. it's a movie. <laughs> exactly. This sort of philosophical discussion doesn't work as well on film, so I can understand why they did that. But overall, the depiction of Jesus as a person is very kind of spot on. Right. Um... Now, to be fair, uh-huh. the right currently, the the political right and the Christian right mm-hmm. in this country doesn't know or care what Jesus, how Jesus no, is depicted in the Bible, I guess is the... I don't know that they don't know. They certainly don't care. I don't think they know. The minister who came back who was accused of, of preaching woke nonsense by reciting the Sermon at the Mount yeah. to his congregation, that's a per- people who are just ignorant of what it's supposed mm-hmm. to say. And it makes me wonder, these are the same people, more or less, well, no, no, I can say this, the same people who will show up every Sunday 
and sing the loudest and the most off off key probably and talk the loudest about right. the person next to them who they don't right. think is but X, these Y, or Z. people and these are the same people who don't know at all what they're supposed to be believing in. This is just something they do. Yep. This is along it's performative with guns and football and God knows what else. Yeah. Things that are part of their culture that they feel threatened by, and yeah. they feel threatened with the fact that this this uh, great faith, which has been culturally appropriated, mind you, is not in tune with their values it's because it, they're not your value. You're right. just pretending this. Yeah. Um, so, is the film sacrilegious, or does it misrepresent the Bible story? Oddly, at no point does it at all. Right. We're seeing a person's faith journey. Yep. He starts as a person who disbelieves, and then he gets the evidence he 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 uh, is looking for, and then he believes. Yep. At the very end, there's a lovely scene where Jesus, having raised uh, okay. I was say Lazarus, Lazarus <laughs> from the dead, Clarence. tells him that this is because you set these people free even without faith. Yeah. Which yeah, is an important thing. point because I have friends who are atheists. Yeah. And the idea that they get extended the same courtesy based on their yeah. actions. That's why I the 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 insistence that if you don't explicitly say out loud mm-hmm. that you ex- accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior means you're going to burn in hell forever, regardless mm. of the good that you do in the world. I'm not I'm not signing up for that whether or not I right. do say that because that's ridiculous. But I like the point that he makes. It's like no, this is the good that you did. Yeah. And of course, on the basis of that, which is the name of our program for heaven's sakes, yes, of course, you've done this. This is why you get to come with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, does the film so is And you it don't require and you don't require right. a a patriarchal if you don't do good, I'm gonna spank you. Right. You just do good you because did you it do good. Regardless. Yeah. And that's to me even more impressive. Yeah. Um I don't think it was really sacrilegious. I don't think... Can we define sacrilegious, really? Like, that's a word that I understand, mm-hmm. but I want to see what the actual definition is. Um, <laughs> extremely disrespectful towards something considered sacred. Okay. Perfect. And as you can see, that this film is... This the Jesus here is born of a virgin, does get crucified for our sin. All of the things that are part of what you have to accept in an in a traditional Christianity, it upholds all of that. There's yeah. at no point does it say this is untrue, this is not no, it doesn't. Right. Um yeah. Something like burning a religious text. That's right. the other thing. Is this is in no way interacting in a negative way with any Christian no, it doesn't. things. They didn't it's. I'm gonna make a weird analogy, but all right, here we go. They remake the Ghostbusters with women. They didn't ruin anything because they didn't burn every copy of the version that you like. Okay. Like it's not. This doesn't diminish no. any other if thing. Anything, I, no, I, it's something that I pointed out to you afterward when we were talking about how rough the crucifixion scene was. Yeah, it's, which it needs to be, but it's. I don't. Love it's it. interesting looking at looking at the same story from a different point of view, it's really hor- A crucifixion is horrible. Any crucifixion We've seen is, is horrible. representations of it in art for centuries. We've seen representations on film for the last hundred years. But um, the when you're 
watching the kind of horror that takes place for a person who then, and basically is tortured and tortured and tortured, and then they die, right? It is really awful, and it does bring up all sorts of emotions when you're able to see it in a different context, the same kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so that was really affecting to me, the fact that the people who, the same person, Cabbage, who was a character in the story, who in the very beginning makes him lose the chariot race, who's a person who actively hates him, yeah. is begging for his life at the end of the film. Yeah. Because yeah. It's, it's a matter of seeing nobody deserves this. Yeah. And the fact that the Romans just did this out of course for yeah. everyone. I mean, the actual story. Jesus crucified next to a thief, between a thief and a murderer. Yeah. You're going, well, the murderer you can kind of understand, but the thief, how on earth, how bad a thief do you have to be to be crucified? crucified. Crucifixion is a, it might be the definition of cruel and unusual. Yeah. Like it is a, and it's not even just the crucifixion, right? Right. You have to drag the instrument of your the death. The instrument of your death, which weighs more than you do. Yeah. Up a hill. While being whipped, if you're not going fast enough, so we're already at right. two terrible things. Um, you know, they they na- they nailed him through his hands. Which mm-hmm. There's a whole thing with that that I have an issue with, but they nail you, your hands and your feet. Right, it's three nails, mm-hmm. and then my understanding. I mean, there's no survivors of this, but like people who know about physiology and stuff. The worst part is they lift you up and drop you into right. a hole. You can't breathe is basically how yeah, it works. Yeah, you drown. You're drowning. And so in the biblical story, they want to break Jesus' legs because that's how they keep you. You push yourself up to breathe. Yeah. And so they break your legs. You can't. So you're just drowning yeah. in your own blood. And and, and the average crucifixion, right. it takes you three days to right. die. It, does. it takes a while. That's what we saw when we saw And a film. lot of times it is either drowning yeah. or just straight or up dehydration. 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 Yeah. Because we are in the Middle East. Um, and that must have been something. But Right. Yeah. In the, the summer, we're, we're talking about 110 degrees. Right. Yeah. So the thing is that you go blind from the sun and then you drown. Um, the... We saw that, I think, um, when we saw Spartacus for the other, there's another example of like, oh God, yeah, that's horrible. Uh, But watching it in this context, you're seeing it happen to somebody else. Like, of course, when you're seeing it happen to Jesus, it's a part of the story. But when you see it happen to Clarence, it's like, oh my God, that is, it takes you back. Yeah. It's really affecting Like, just a person Right, a person that you've gotten to know over the course of those two hours, much less. It's it's pretty horrible. So I appreciated the fact that it takes it back to, because uh, even the Passion of the Christ, yes, it's it's really horrible, but at the same time, it's done in such a way that you know who this is. He's representing us, or he's representing, you know, God. Right. He's doing, but when you're watching it happen to another person, you think, this is just wrong. Yeah. It's always wrong. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I didn't feel it was, I don't feel that it, uh, it did misrepresent represent the feelings that were going around at the time. I think that it's an interesting parallel. I think that uh, the representation of the way the Romans treated uh, the Jews in this story and all the Jews are black um, is also an interesting parallel. It, it worked for me as a film. So to answer the last question, is it ever appropriate to make fun of sacred topics? And I'll let yes. you start that one. So you say <laughs> yes. Look, mm-hmm. I am a person who believes that if you 
if you can, if you have the skill, you can joke about anything. The trick is don't punch down. You never punch down in your joke writing. That's why you don't make fun of rape victims, y'all. Like, that is not a thing. That's never going to be funny. I promise. Um, But you can, there are funny jokes about rape. There Mm -hmm. just are. Uh, They can be funny. There are lines that you need to be aware of what you're talking about. You need to have some cognizance of the framework that you are working in now just by entering uh, a discussion about a sacred topic. Like, is it is it okay to make a comic depicting Muhammad? I would argue it is not. Is it okay to bomb a building of people who did that? No, it is also not okay. But that is that is a sacrilegious thing, right? That you you know going in that you are doing this specifically to offend a group of people. Humor is not good humor. Good humor, good comedy is not about offending, unless you're you know pushing boundaries of power structures that are oppressive. Uh, see, you know Lenny Bruce and Bill Hicks, but. Say you can't, if you have a knowledge and a a modicum of respect and, you know, maybe more than a modicum of respect, you can absolutely make jokes about the topic. You told me a very funny joke about Judas. Right. <laughs> like, so, I mean, it can be done. Yeah, well, there was the jokes that you, uh, I had a friend who was, I, I grew up in a very kind of, uh, religiously restrictive environment, Mm -hmm. I'll say. And you couldn't say things. There were things you didn't make fun of, things you didn't uh, talk about even. And it was later on when I made a friend who was a Jesuit, who trained to be a Jesuit, who started telling me all sorts of really goofy jokes that the Jesuits told at seminary. like But like deep cut jokes, (laughs) right? Because the Jesuits are... uh, The title of this episode, The Piece of Cod That Passes All Understanding, was one of them about a fish that they couldn't finish eating. And, oh, and uh, I mean, there was a, a lot of them, and I won't go into them now, but they were really, really funny. And again, it's like... Um, or like when you're a mm, child, you drain some noodles or something, right. and they said it was the whole... They thought it well, was, it the, was holy the holy... Right, because they, I did have a picture Bible, and all these pictures of, uh, uh, of the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit, or rather, uh, are pictured as a big cloud. cloud. And so when my kid was very small sees me draining pasta in the sink and just looks up with this rapt look on their face and goes, oh, glory the Lord is filling our kitchen. Because they <laughs> Which is funny. They didn't intend for it no, to be a joke. No, they funny. They're but like, honestly, wow, look, if I was in the same position right. and I'd seen those pictures, I might have said that as a joke. <laughs> right. The funniest thing I've ever said right, was, was a joke about Lot's, Lot's wife. wife. Like, what was her name? Pilar. <laughs> it's not good. It's great. It's, it's the greatest, it's the funniest thing I've ever said. Fun. But I mean, like, yeah. I, I am not disrespecting. No, my my mom the worked concepts for or the the credentials committee when she worked for the Assemblies of God. What what does that mean? The credentials committee, which means that they tested to see people coming from other countries, uh, tested to see if the, of these ministers coming in were actual ministers. Sometimes people like Clarence in the early part of the film, will try to fleece a crowd and get money by 
claiming that they, oh no, I was accredited by this person. You or, know what they should do uh, um, for? They should do that for every group of uh, people coming in, so that people who have I don't know medical degrees don't end up having to drive taxis because nobody believes yes, well, that they are yeah. doctors. Like. No. This can be used for good, is what I'm saying. During the time that my mom was a part of the credentials committee, uh, she was one of the people who's sort of infamous for being really strict with them. You know, I need letters from your congregation, from the church that you see. And often they would catch people in this net. And then sometimes people claimed that they were too strenuous. And so when one of the, the head of the credentials committee was retiring, um, my mom was asking me, well, what do we do? So we got him a plaque. And I recommended, and I'm, thank God they got the joke, is uh, our version of John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he didn't send a committee. And that went over really big, and I was really glad that that uh, the Reverend Dr. But also, that could go for um, uh, like politics, right. stuff too, like just general bureaucracy. But it was, yeah, he got the joke. And again, it's there's things you can do and you can say that will not upset people. There are it depends again on how you're saying it. Yeah, I've seen some things that were like, okay, that's inappropriate, or that's I'm not sure how I feel about that. But this film didn't have those moments in it. Um, I am just looking up really quickly. Uh-huh. So this movie was um, written, directed, and the music was done by James Samuel. Right. Who is Seal's brother? Uh, he also goes by what do they call him the Bullet. The Bullets okay. is his like musician name. Or, like Iron I was hoping he would be Dolphin. Dude. Um, no, <laughs> and so he Otter. Yeah, he directed this movie and wrote it, and then did you know all the right. the music for it. Uh, he. Also wrote, oh, I didn't realize that. He wrote, directed, produced The Harder They Fall, the black western that came out a few years ago on Netflix, which is a fantastic movie. So good. So now I I Mm -hmm. see what he's he's doing is putting black people back. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They shouldn't have been taken away in the first place. That's what I'm saying. They've all been... History has literally been whitewashed, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Yeah, no, we're gonna put some black people back because there've been black people everywhere forever." Mm-hmm. You know who was black? Alexander Dumas, the guy that wrote the Three Musketeers, yes. was a black man. Um, so I thought, like, because I saw his name come up in a producer, mm-hmm. like as a you know music by, which was before writer and director credits mm-hmm. and then it, at the last thing of course is written and directed by and i was like oh <laughs> but i didn't know he was seal's brother he seems to be coming at it from you know the, the call in this case i believe is coming from inside the house mm-hmm. right like yeah he's not an atheist writing no, we're, we're looking at an atheist journey into faith and trying to understand what it means and having these which i don't think you can do unless right. you either started as an atheist and now have faith, or uh, you have had faith however right. long, right? Like, this story, the way that it is written and plays out on the screen, is 
one of the more reverent things I've seen, yeah. and I don't watch, you know, Christian. It films certainly or whatever, was more reverent. I, I'm, and this is going to sound mean. It seemed it. more reverent than the last Temptation of Christ, which okay. I, we saw, yeah. which depicted a Jesus who is really uncertain of himself, yeah. who is constantly questioning what he's doing, who has all sorts of issues. And and I remember watching that, thinking I said it to you at the time, who on earth would follow this man? He's so inconsistent yeah. and so erratic yeah. that I do not see this like people just going over thousands by the thousands, following mm-hmm. him around. I don't see that. I can see it with this Jesus. Yeah. I can see people just sort of, and aside from the miracles themselves, it's like, no, no, this guy is telling you something. And he's speaking to you on some level. I understand there wasn't more of that because it's not the story of Jesus, it's the story mm-hmm. of Clarence. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so explicitly, but, very much in the in the vein of the Christopher Moore book, right? Lamb, Lamb which also was unexpectedly reverent. Right. I was like, okay, I didn't expect that. And and, there, and that that right. book is follows the was it Christ's be- Jesus' right. best friend. Best friend. And there are parts of the, that book that can be considered uh, that are come across as inappropriate, but the depiction of Christ Himself is. Although it's mostly like in a kidding kind of way, no, he is exactly who he says he is. There's no questioning that. So the idea of it being sacrilegious doesn't it? It, it fails on that account. Yeah, because the only mm-hmm. the only thing that the the only thing you could pinpoint as being sacrilegious would be the depiction of Jesus. Uh-huh. Everything else, it's location. Not, right. Um, any anachronism, mm-hmm. any you know depiction of disciples or anything like that—that's not sacrilege. No, it's all done, in, also for the point of this story, and it's done also for the purpose of for comedic effect. Yeah. So from the very beginning, it's a you joke. Are, you are told from the beginning, and it's there's been like Life of Brian was another film that yeah. had a similar kind of elliptical approach to the life of Christ, mm-hmm. and that film got a lot of controversy before it was released and there's some interesting footage with Malcolm Muggeridge uh, protesting uh, and being defended by John Cleese and Eric Idle who uh, are def- like we're, we're not doing anything to defame Christ this isn't the life of Christ this is the life of this other this guy other he marked it very clearly yeah. and then um, it literally uh, says life of Brian and then there's uh, I can think of uh, the history of the world part one there's a really goofy scene with Mel Brooks as the waiter at the Last Supper, and it doesn't quite work because it's just—it's more that, that kind feels of thirsty, <laughs> dumb. It's a lot of dumb humor. At one point, the disciples keep telling him to leave the room, and he goes, "Jesus Christ!" And Jesus goes, "Yes." And I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> okay, God. we it's, get it." Yeah, all right, very uh-huh, funny. very funny. Yeah, sure is. I'm not a huge Mel Brooks fan. I know that's a that's it's, a separate topic a, that you can come for me later. It's not. We don't have to talk about it now. It, it was. It felt very forced. So this one, though, uh, no, it's actually really good. It's. It, I was surprised. By Provided how, you are can stomach watching black people on your screen, which maybe that's what Fox's problems are. Forward to it is, and it's about taking yourself. It's literally constantly right, talking about faith. Taking your faith seriously and using it, even your lack of faith, until you find it. Yeah. Uh, as a course of action in itself. Yep. It's good, you guys. You should see it. That brings us to the end of this week's episode. If you like it, you should subscribe and leave us a review. 
And also you should share it with a friend, or like five. You can share it with five friends. We have an internet home, withoutworkspodcast.com. Our show notes and links to stories we talk about can be found there. Uh, you can find us uh, on all the social medias. The links are on the website. I, do, I, I direct you to the website and the links therein. I don't want to talk about social media anymore. I've been Amity, and he's been Lemuel, and we urge you to go out and do something good. Everybody's got a little light Under the sun, under the sun, under the sun, under the sun